This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> to the mom room podcast my name is renee rena and i am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted hello welcome to another solo episode i wanted to get some solo episodes recorded that if by chance we're sick one week milo's home all week and i don't have a chance to do this big setup i would like to have some episodes that are kind of like evergreen which means they're not, what does that mean? It's like, you can listen to them anytime, you know? It's not like I'm going to be talking about anything specific that's going on in my life right now because maybe this episode won't air till like October and right now it's September. Um, So yeah, I asked you guys on Instagram what some topics are that you would want to hear about. Also, I have no idea what my lipstick looks like right now because I don't like podcasting with dry lips and my lips are like chronically dry. So I always have chapstick, but I put the dogs in their houses and so that they don't bark while I'm recording. They still might, but um put them in their houses and I came in my office, like closed the door, got all set up and I was like, oh my God, I don't have anything on my lips. So I had, I got this PR package from Rare Beauty, which is the Selena Gomez line. And it was a ton of lipsticks, all different shades. And so I just pulled one out of the bag that I have and put it on. Like it looked a little bit brownish. So I don't know. I don't, let me just like open up my camera on my phone. It's pretty like nudish, nudish brownish. Anywho, I asked you guys on Instagram what you wanted to hear about and so many of the topics had to do with marriage after kids and like relationship stuff with your romantic partner. So what I thought I would do is... You guys know I have recommended this book like crazy. It is called To Have and to Hold, Motherhood, Marriage, and the Modern Dilemma by Molly Millwood. She's a psychologist. It is every single chapter. I can't explain how much you will just be like nodding your head. Yep, totally. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, it is literally my thoughts in a book. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, 
So what she has some great chapters in there about marriage post kids. And I love it because she talks a little bit about her own situation. She has young kids. She talks about like clients that she works with because she works with a lot of um, women that have kids and, you know, have issues in their marriage and whatever. So it's it's just like there's lots of then she talks about research and it's just all the things in one book. Every chapter is on a specific topic. And so I thought I would go over one of the chapters that talks about marriage. It's called The Great Divide and it's chapter six. So I went through that chapter and I just like wrote basically Cole's notes and I was like, oh, I should just discuss, you know, these interesting factoids um, in the podcast. So if you don't have that book, highly recommend. Um... I am reading it slowly because I like to make notes as I'm reading. This is why I never get nonfiction books on my Kindle because I like to have the physical book to write notes on. So the chapter is called The Great Divide and the very beginning of the chapter, she dives into why and like I catch myself saying this all the time as well. Um, but I, I do catch myself though, because I'm like, Renee, like, what are you saying? The word help. So many people refer to their partner helping them with childcare or helping them with household tasks like domestic labor. Um, and it should not even, when you say help, it implies that it's your job and they're going out of their way to help you. You know what I mean? It's like, so they should get a pat on the back because they're helping when they they don't have to. Like, it's not their responsibility. So I hate the word help. I also hate when people, if I, let's say I make a TikTok and I, because I've wanted to do this, like, Drives me nuts how my husband loads the dishwasher, which I feel like this is like a common marriage issue, Um, but it just makes no sense. Like, have you ever passed the first level of Tetris? Because I don't think you have, judging by your dishwashing loading skills. Um, So let's say I made a TikTok and it was complaining about the way my husband loads the dishwasher in a funny way, you know, as I do. There would definitely be comments on that TikTok saying, you're lucky your husband loads the dishwasher. And it's like, no, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm not lucky that he does it. They should just do it anyways. They use dishes. It's not like he eats out of the pot with his hands. So yeah, he should load the dishwasher every now and then. So I hate the word help. I am trying to refrain from using it because I catch myself saying it as well. Um, and I hate the word you're lucky that this happens. Like, no, like, I don't like that. And it's like, oh, you're a woman. Like your husband's helping you. You're so lucky. Like, no, like get out of this narrative. I don't like it. Anywho. So the beginning of the chapter starts with that. And it's like, ah, light bulb. Um, and she makes the point, like, why is it that they are helping and they are not also in charge of what's going on? Because if somebody's helping, if you're having to delegate to them, 
what's going on in the household, how to like what needs to be done with childcare. Um, it's like it's still all on you and you're having to manage now another person. So love that. Also, when the dynamic is such that like one person is in charge, let's say the mom, and then the husband, the partner, the dad is helping, it will create resentment in the relationship because the mom is like, why am I always in charge of everything? Like, why am I the one that's having to make the grocery list or like plan out meals or plan the birthday party and then delegate tasks? And then it's almost like it gets to the point where you're asking the person like, oh, are you able to stop at, you know, whatever store on the way home and pick up X, Y, and Z for the birthday party? It's like now you're having to ask favors when really it's like a joint effort and they should be just as involved. Um, Speaking of resentment, hot topic, go back and listen to episode 67. It's like, I feel like that was so long ago. So it's with Tracy Dalgleish, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, and it's all about resentment and it's really good. Specifically resentment in your romantic relationship. So moving on, the chapter Molly talks about um, how husbands, and I'm talking about heterosexual relationships that, that have, where the people have kids, The men's lives, and like this is research, this is not me like making this up or Molly making this up. The men's lives are not as affected as the women's lives. And this starts like beginning in pregnancy. Um, Another reason why resentment occurs in relationships after you have kids. Um, The baby, and this is a quote, kind of a quote, the baby does not occupy as much emotional or mental space for the father as it does the mother. It, I'm calling the baby it. Um, So she points out that fatherhood is a big life transition, but when you look at it relative to the motherhood, like the transition for the mom, it is not nearly as big. And so she references this research study that was done at UC Berkeley. And it's basically an identity pie chart. So they had couples, heterosexual couples, create or draw out an identity pie chart. So what are the different facets of your identity and how much does each title or part of your life take up like, what would you consider that, you know, like the pie chart, you know, you do like 70% mom, I'm 20% this. Okay. So they had couples do that when they were pregnant with their child. And right away, the women's parenting slice or mom slice was twice as big as the father's. And this was when they were pregnant. Now, Fast forward to when that child is now 18 months old and the dad's identity as a parent, they redid the pie chart, was less than one third 
of the moms. So it like the mom the and like people talk about identity as a mom all the time and it's like motherhood kind of takes over and you lose other parts of yourself. So another interesting thing about the pie chart was that the father adding the father slice to his pie chart did not squeeze out other things. So like it just kind of stayed consistent. So they didn't like shrink down their, I'm like a friend, I'm a son, I'm a husband, I'm, and like the biggest part of the men's pie chart was usually what their job was, like career, um, like work was a, a massive slice of the pie. Whereas the women's other things, I'm going to use the word suffered, but got smaller and shrunk on the pie chart and mom or being a parent took over. So she makes the point that whether women work full-time outside of the house or not, they still make significantly more lifestyle changes. And that mom piece of the identity pie chart is much bigger than the husband's. Um, And so women tend to put creative pursuits on hold Um, their friendships wane or suffer, their career goals get abandoned because they have little mental and emotional energy left to put into these other things. And it made me also think about how like husbands are still like raring to go on like, yeah, let's like maintain our sex life and go out on dates and, you know, be this amazing, awesome couple that we used to be before kids because they have the energy left to do that. Whereas women are kind of like, by the end of the day, I just want to shut down and not have any sensory (laughs) stimulation coming my way, whether it be like touch, talking, whatever, whatever. Um, So very interesting. Also, she put some stats in that chapter. And one of those stats is that for every hour a man spends doing domestic work, a woman does three. Now, I know it's crazy. Before, it used to be for every hour that a man did, a woman did five. So you would think like, oh, so it's getting better. Like, do women have more time now? We do not. Because with how parenting has changed over time, like let's say in the last 50 years, we do not have more time because any time that we might have been able to save, we are now like putting full force into childcare and like engaging with our children and interacting and like planning activities and taking them to the park and going to the zoo and, you know, like Parenting has definitely changed over time. So women are not doing less. They are more hands-on with childcare than ever. And these stats like blow my mind. So working moms spend only 10 fewer hours 
doing childcare than stay-at-home moms. Blows my mind. Working moms today spend as much time with their children as stay-at-home moms did in the 70s. And people, sorry, the that was me with like the mind blown um, thing. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. 
The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. People are like, they hear that stat and they're like, well, what the hell were moms in the 70s doing? And it's like they were living their life not being like so wrapped up in entertaining their child every moment of every day and planning activities and going here, doing this, enrichment. Like, and I'm not saying any one way is better than the other. Like maybe what I think happened, which is what happens with everything in life, is like it started, like maybe it was over on this side in the 70s and then it like the pendulum swung like way over here and now we're like entertaining our kids 24-7 and I think eventually it needs to kind of get back into the middle because I think moms are fucking burnt out and there's gotta be some middle ground here. So yeah, even me, like I was a child in the 90s. Like my mom was not entertaining us. We were playing with other kids. And like the whole everything has just changed. Like they put terrible stuff on the news. We're like bombarded with terrible information. Everybody's fucking scared to let their kids go play you know, in the neighborhood without supervision. Like you feel like you have to constantly be with your child and it's like parents lives and quality of life I think is suffering because we're so focused on entertaining our our children and like doing the best thing at every given moment like oh my god did I react properly in that way like let me go fucking read a book to see if I reacted properly and how I could best react you know the next time this happens it's like holy fuck can we like tone it down a little bit um okay another thing okay this was so interesting so again it's based on research And I think it was also done in California. I feel like California is like taking the lead on all this um, kind of research, marriage and post kids and whatnot. So there's this thing called the myth of equality. Okay. 
So what it's basically saying is that so many couples like shout from the rooftops that they are like equal and it's 50-50 and you know they have very um like equal an equal workload when it comes to childcare and house tasks and you know anyways so yeah myth of equality so lots of couples despite their egalitarian standards and the image that they portray of their relationship as being equal, their relationships were actually greatly imbalanced and favored the husband. Again, this is heterosexual um, couples. And this is so interesting because I feel like people are very defensive about their relationships And instead of just being like, oh, yeah, look, this is something we could work on or like I'm always like, yeah, our family just kind of or our relationship just took on this dynamic and we're going to try and make it better. Like it's not perfect. Like nothing. It's not perfect. But so many people, when you question and like maybe you shouldn't question other people's relationships. I don't know, but sometimes I do. And if you question it and you're like, oh, like your husband comes home from work and goes in the basement and plays video games for an hour, like when you've been home with little kids all day, like it's peculiar. But if you like confront someone or just like say like, oh, like that must be really hard on you, um, you know, maybe you guys could make a change or whatever. Like people will get defensive. They will be like in denial. And so the two big defense mechanisms that people use that Molly writes about in the book, and this was based on the research study, is denial and justification. Justifying why their partner has to do or does what they do. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, he works so hard. Like when he comes home, he has a like, it's always something. And instead, I wish people would like look at their situation and think of how it could be improved and not be afraid of confronting their partner and being like, look, like, you know, I'm having a hard time with X, Y, and Z. And, you know, maybe we can make some changes to try and make my life a little bit easier because staying home with kids is not a goddamn vacation. Um, So yeah, anyways, I thought that was really interesting that everybody wants to, you know, be portrayed as like, oh yeah, we're super equal and 50-50 and, but they're not. Like when you actually look at the family dynamics and daily routines and how their family functions, it's not. So it's interesting like to take a look at, you know, how does your family function? It'd be, it'd be worthwhile. Anyway, so it got me thinking about like what are some unconventional ways that our family functions and then what are some conventional ways that our family functions? So many of you guys know my husband sleeps with the monitor we sleep separate, separate bedrooms, um, which to be honest is a luxury to be able to sleep separately. We have the space, we have the extra room. 
sleeping by myself is like, I never want to live a life where I'm not sleeping by myself. And I never would have thought this until I had a child because before having Milo, I was in control of my sleep. I could nap during the day. I could go to sleep early. I could relax all weekend, whatever. Once you have a child, sleep is no longer in your control. It's just not. So now sleep becomes almost like an obsession. Like you want to get the best sleep every single night as much as possible. So for us, my husband, he doesn't even snore. It's like a like a throat breathing. I can't. So my husband sleeps in a separate room. It's glorious. I get a great sleep for the most part every night. He sleeps with the monitor because I'm very... And this is one of these things where it's like, he was not as affected by having a child as I was because when the monitor, like when Milo would make a sound in the monitor from his room, whether it's like he cries out briefly, my adrenaline is like through the roof. I'm wide awake for an hour or two, cannot fall back asleep, just waiting for him to make another noise. Like, oh my God, is he awake? My husband does not have that. Like, A sound can come from the monitor and unless it's like a serious sound and it's consistent, he will not wake up. So he sleeps with the monitor because we sleep separately. We're able to do that. Um, He does actual childcare. I think when people hear like 50-50 with regard to childcare, they think like, oh, they're just entertaining them. Like he takes them in the backyard and plays soccer or something. No, like he does actual childcare. He will make snacks. He will do the bath. He will pick up from school, drop off at school, all those things. He organized Milo being on the soccer team, did all the email correspondence with like the admin and the coaches. He's the one that registered Milo for kindergarten He does doctor's appointments, like if Milo has to go get vaccines or whatever it might be. Because of COVID, usually one parent could only go in. It's always my husband because he just handles things like that better than I do. He's a doctor. Um, When Milo's sick, he is able to comfort him just as well, if not better than I would. Milo is like very much a daddy's boy, especially right now. He's like in this phase and I'm like, okay fine with me. Um, But yeah, he does, he cooks. He does a lot of the cooking because I fucking hate cooking. Um, It's like the bane of my existence. And maybe you're thinking, Renee, what the fuck do you do? Um, I do most of the cleaning, a hundred percent, like cleaning, organizing, organizing closets, getting rid of stuff to donate, all that kind of stuff, like setting up the house, decorating the house. And maybe you're like, what the fuck? That's not that important, but it is. Okay. I'm the emotional one. I am like the one that will bring up all these conversations. I'm sure this is coming as a complete shock to everybody. Like what you talk? Yes. I'm the one that will bring up like any issues, like talk about our relationship, like how we can make this better. That's me. I am very much the person that's going to like be planning activities, 
planning like if we go to the zoo one day or whatever like packing the diaper bag making sure we have sunscreen all that stuff I'm also when we travel like we'll pack everything and then of course I obviously cook some days I'm like the grocery list person like keeping track of what we have in the house stuff like that um But it's very like I would say I want to do this research study in California because I would say we're pretty 50-50 and like there's certain things that each of us is better at. So we tend to take on those roles more than the other person, which I think is fine. Um, Something though that she mentions in the book is that oftentimes we rationalize that one parent is like better at doing something than the other. And so the other never does it. And then it just becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy. Is that the right word? Anyways, it's like, oh, uh, my husband doesn't deal with the kids or like comfort the kids when they're sick because he's just not as good at it as I am. And it's like, well, yeah, because if he has never done it since day one, why would he be good at it? You know, it's like packing lunches or um, doing bath time and bedtime. A lot of people are like, well, my husband just he doesn't know the routine. So I'm the one that tends to do it. And it's like, well, why doesn't he know the fucking routine? Like, why? My husband and I have been doing the be- bath time and bedtime routine together since day one. Obviously, there's nights where my husband's not here because he has to go to the hospital. So I do it by myself. But if I leave for like three days, my husband can do everything. So it's like when your partner is home, and I understand people have shift work and all that stuff, but like when they are home, what the fuck are they doing? Are they not involved? Because they should be able to do it by themselves. That's my like little rant on that. Um, she also, oh yeah, well, I already kind of touched on this. The example from the book she gave about her client was worried about her partner not being there for early postpartum, like to be a proper support. And she was saying how like it was uncomfortable to kind of confront gently, she says, gently confront her about this and be like, you know, maybe you should seek support from other people because your partner will likely not, you know, do everything that is necessary or maybe that you're going to need in those early weeks. And she was just saying how it like felt awkward because people always want to defend their partner. And I was like, yeah, like I totally, totally get that just from like encounters that I've had on TikTok and whatnot. Okay, let's check the timing on this episode. Oh boy, we're at 29 minutes. Okay, I, I'm going to record some more of these, obviously. Um, but marriage post kids was a big topic people wanted to hear about. So hopefully you enjoyed this. If you don't already have this book, go and get it. Again, it's called To Have and to Hold Motherhood, Marriage, and the Modern Dilemma by Molly Millwood. Okay. Highly recommend. And yeah, more to come. If you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube. Like, hello, I got a freaking professional light in my office. Okay. Um, yeah, we're taking over the world. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope 
your children sleep tonight and they don't make a noise in the monitor that sends your fucking cortisol through the roof, okay? Okay, bye. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha